This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. I was telling you, if we won, we got a new clock. And uh, she said, well, where are we going to put it, Daddy? And I said, well, I was thinking right in your bedroom. And she did not like that idea. So um, we're going we're gonna to work on our negotiations. It's a good, good problem to have. Those are winning problems. So welcome to NASCAR America. Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, our friend Rick Allen joining us today. And I don't know about you guys, but I never won a negotiation with my daughter ever. <laughs> no, you never. lose that. Yeah. I mean, that clock's going wherever she says it's going. That's exactly, exactly right. right. Yes, that's exactly so, yeah. right. Probably in the garage. <laughs> Probably in the garage. <laughs> well, she has to be proud of her dad because he yes. kicked butt wow. yesterday. I mean, he, he dominated that race. What did you guys see? It was impressive. I mean, he went out and just dominated. Uh, the most laps led since somebody, I think, back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, had led this many laps. So he went out Crazy. really and put on a, a great performance. Um, and, and his pit crew, awesome job as well. Yeah, it was, it was dominant. You know, to only get past basically one time in the, the entire 500 laps around here, because it's so difficult to, to keep your car. You know, you have something that's really good at the beginning. The track changes. It starts to rubber up. And yeah. so do you, you start making changes to that. And, of course, not having the track bar adjuster inside anymore yeah. or anything. So you have to be very calculating what we do. But that car was just so good. Brad did a great job navigating traffic and not getting excited when he did have somebody on his bumper because it's really easy to make a mistake and overdrive. And, yeah, that last time you were talking about, I think, is this guy sitting to my left <laughs> at Rockingham. And it reminded me of that yesterday. Hey, but this is what I will say. Just as in races like that, when we saw the 78 car, uh, Martin Truex at Charlotte, you mm -hmm. at New Hampshire, myself at Rockingham, you at Michigan, it's a team effort. That pit crew, once he got that lead, those guys on pit road kept that lead. Yep. They made that happen for him. So that made it easier for him as a driver, and we all know that as a driver. The easiest place to come off pit road is first yeah. and get that clean air and get out in front of everybody. Well, on a day like yesterday, you had a guy that was dominating. And even in those moments, there's always this, there's always a point in the race where, you know, you have a turning point. Yeah. And we try to highlight that on, on Mondays in NASCAR America or really sit down and talk about it. Well, you know, that happened when, in my eyes, that happened when Chase Elliott, he took the lead <laughs> from Brad Keselowski. And, and this was the beginning of Brad and his team having to do something different. You see Chase kind of changing his line, moving around, DJ, found a way to get around Keselowski. Yeah, if you want to know what's the textbook way to make a pass at Martinsville, that was it by the nine car and Chase Elliott right there. But this had not happened all day. And so finally we see something, okay, what is going to happen from this point on? Is Brad going to be able to recover from this? Yeah, a lot of speed right there from Chase Elliott. And I'm thinking right now that Chase Elliott, Martinsville, right? Like he's yeah. been so close. Oh, yeah. And then this happened. Always something happens, changes the game. Matt Tiff had a problem. Caution comes out, and now the pressure gets put on the pit crews. And who can get that track position? Who can make it happen when the pressure's high? You see early on pit road, and really the first pit box, Chase Elliott, the first guy on pit road. But 
way down on the other end, here comes Keselowski. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier, a great place to pit as far as the pit lines go. We see Keselowski down here. He's in pit four or five right along there. But he gets that launch. He's in a pretty good place on pit road, too. And every time, just that little bit, that half car lane, the pit crew and Brad beats them all pit road. And so here we go on the restart there. You see that put Brad in that preferred lane, in that front lane. You always want to be on the bottom. Chase Elliott with a good restart, but watch Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is not going to give Chase Elliott that spot. He wants that inside. Watch right here. Chase looks like he's clear. Kyle's, nope, I'm going to drive it in there and take this spot from you. This went on for several laps, and that made it even that much more difficult on Chase. Yeah, that's the hardest thing as a driver at, at a place like Martinsville. And knowing that somebody like a Kyle Busch is ready to stick his nose in yeah. there. And you don't want to basically spin yourself out in a situation like that because he knew how good a car he had. He just had passed Brad for the lead uh, before they came in and had these pit stops. So uh, you didn't want to take too much of a chance, but Kyle Busch made life a little bit more difficult for Chase Elliott uh, in that respect uh, at that point in time. But uh, they would get together a little bit and have a little bit of fun and make for an entertaining <laughs> race. But I, w I will say this. I, I thought Chase showed great patience, yeah. patience beyond his years, because he did know he had a good car. He'd get hung on the outside, and he would let Kyle roll in on the inside, but he would put himself in position to accelerate up off and eventually cleared Kyle and, and took that position. It was a great battle to watch. Yeah, it, was it was fun. And, uh, you know, we talked about that turning point being that pit stop. And mm -hmm. uh, Trent Sherry, the, 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 one of the coaches at Penske, he had a ch chance to talk after the race about how proud he was of his guys. Today was a great day. Guys did a really good job. All the guys, Hunter Masling, Jeremy Ogles, Braxton Brandon, Jake Seminar, Nick Hensley, all five guys were great. Came in six times, uh, didn't come in first every time, but went out first every time. Uh, towards the end, nine was giving them a good run. Um, Brad drove his butt off. The guys did a good job on the track, and we had an opportunity to come in second, go out first. The guys did a great job. So uh, couldn't be prouder as a coach for these guys. They've done a good job all year. Uh, they were a great pit crew last year. It was the second year we've had them together. And uh, only good things to come for the rest of the season with these guys. Well, he should be proud of his guys. Check this out right here. Into the pits first, all but that one time. But every time left the pits in first. And you guys know after been driven this racetrack as many times as y'all driven them, track position yes. in Martinsville <laughs> is king. And Brad was able to take advantage of it and do his job. But without that pit crew, we might be talking about a different winner today. Yeah, and I think that when you have a dominant car like that, that just continues to add pressure throughout yeah. the day on the pit crew yeah. because they know it's their job to put him back in that position. He has the car. If he can be out front every time, then they're going to have a hard time passing him. But just any kind of slip, you've got Kyle Busch, who's got a great pit crew, and, and the nine team was doing a, a really good job with theirs with that pit selection they had up the very beginning of pit road. So uh, they had they, the pressure just kept mounting, but they were there to answer the call. You know, surprisingly, Brad Keselowski never passed Chase Elliott on the racetrack yeah. in green flag conditions. Chase did pass Brad, but Brad, it, it was his crew that took yeah. him uh, up to the front again. He never actually had to pass Chase, and he said later that that was the best car. He thought Chase Elliott had yeah. the best car yeah. on, the, on the track that day. So it, it was impressive. I thought that Brad admitted, you know, hey, my crew got me up front. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say, one time during the broadcast yesterday, just listening, the top three cars ran the exact yeah, same speed. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're going to run the exact same speed as the guy that's two or three cars behind you, you better pass his butt on pit road because mm -hmm. yeah. that's the only place you're going to pass yeah. him. And that's why every time we sit here on a Monday or we talk about it on a Sunday afternoon, that's why pit road is so important. That's why Friday qualifying is so important. We talk about qualifying. That's why all the little steps that lead up 
to race day are important because where your pit selection is, what you do on pit road, transfers whether you make it to victory lane or not a lot of times. It's a team sport. Yes, you yeah, definitely. absolutely. Definitely. That those pit crews, you know, I, I look at pit crew uh, guys like field goal kickers. Yeah. You know, they sit on the sidelines and they wait and they wait and they wait for their moment. And then when that when it gets called and they don't execute, you're like, hey, what's wrong with you guys? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And they make it look so easy. But you see the difference in time. I mean, you're talking about over a 15-second pit stop, a half of a second making a difference and winning, potentially yeah. winning the race Crazy. or not. And they didn't have a bad stop. The nine no, guys did no, not have a bad, not stop. A bad Just, stop. The two had an exceptional stop. Remember when Joe Gibbs Racing used to have the best pit crews? And now all of a sudden it almost looks like it's transferring over to Penske. Yes. I mean, Joey Logano, a great pit crew all last year. Yeah. Now we see Brad Keselowski's team getting him out front to help him win this race. I think Things are switching a little bit there as far as pit crews yeah. go. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. That's a great point. And one, one thing I, I thought was impressive, is, and you talked about Chase was wise beyond his years. When he got behind, it was fun watching him <laughs> yeah. try different things. What can I do? We have cars that are equal. What can I do as a race car driver to change my car, what I'm doing with my car that's the same as the guy in front of me to run him down and Check out what Chase Elliott's doing. Look how high his entry is getting into the corner. Look at that. Yeah, this was after he'd got back almost a second behind, and a second on a short track uh, when you're you know making 20 seconds left it is a lot of uh, car lengths there that, that he had gotten behind. But he had to wait and separate himself from the 18 car. He knew with the 18 right there, he couldn't try this. Uh, so he got a little separation there and then moved up to a line that we saw nobody else make work. But he almost made this work. He just needed a couple more laps to get to the back bumper. I don't know what would happen then. Yeah, Chase has become a well-rounded race car driver. Dale Jarrett and I sat and watched a Talladega race a couple of years ago when we both thought he had the fastest car and couldn't do anything with it because he didn't know what to do with it. Now you see Chase Elliott in a car, and a lot of guys who have won a lot of races wouldn't have changed their line and given up that opportunity to be on the bottom or run second. They wouldn't have moved up and said, well, if I run third or fourth or whatever, I'm going to try to make something happen. He's wise beyond his years right now. That's the point. Yes. I, if, if you're watching at home, you've never driven a race car. To enter the corner that high yes. at Martinsville, yeah. that's not no. conventional thinking right there. That's thinking out of the <laughs> yeah. box, saying, I've got to do something different. And if it doesn't work, so, so be it. what? So right? Be it, and so that's be the it. difference. That's that was, Chase Elliott's yes. confidence in saying, you know what? I'm going to pile this thing in here and hope it works. And if it doesn't work, maybe the 18 gets by me. Heck, maybe I slide up and get, get rubber on my tires and I go all the way back to fifth. But I'm here to win this race. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that effort from him to try something different, I, I, I think it shows his maturity. Yes. But more importantly, I think it shows the confidence that he's yeah, gained in exactly. himself. Yes. Denny Hamlin, before the race, said, I think there's going to be – uh, there's going to be traffic up in possibly the third group. This was before the race even started, and I, I scratched my head. I said, there's no way <laughs> they're going to be up in the third group. But as you guys just pointed out, Chase was entering the turn so high that it almost looked like he missed the corners yeah, when he I, came in there. Yeah, I thought at first that maybe he had. As I was watching the race yesterday and saw him start this, I, I just reverted back to a couple of years ago at Dover when he was winning the race, hadn't won a race in the Cup Series yet, Good and Great. Kyle Busch ran him down because he stuck with what he was running right on the bottom. Kyle Busch went to the top and, and ran him down and eventually made a pass. And so now we see this still young driver, but uh, a very much more mature driver and willing and understanding. You said that confidence in yeah. his abilities to go up there and try something different that nobody else was able to do and almost made it work. And listen, I think Brad, I, I think Brad, after Joey Logano winning the championship last year, his teammate, 
I just think you better watch out for Brad Kozlowski. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I think you, you see a more determined Brad, who yeah. was already de- extremely determined, a great race car driver. I, I think we're seeing early early stage and early doses of what we're going to see yeah. all year long with Keselowski. He is going to be hard to beat the rest of the year. Yeah, I think Brad got attitude after last year. <laughs> I think that, I think, really, it I mean, does. And you know, it? it does yeah. matter. Listen, listen, it, it is, as a, and, and we've all driven with teammates, it's easy to sit here on this team and look at that other team and say, well, he's beating me because he's got this car, or he's got that crew chief. But when the guy that's right next to you has the same equipment you have, who has the same opportunities you have, and he's kicking your butt week in and week out, you got to look in the mirror at yourself and say, what do I have to do? And, and, I, and I think Brad's confident enough in his ability, um, and he is a student of the game. He's watched. You know he's watched every race from last year to see what he did wrong, where they could be better, where that team could. And we know Paul, um, Paul Wolf is willing to, he's willing to step out and make a call <laughs> and do some stuff. So they're the perfect combination, a little bit volatile, Sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, hard-headed enough to believe in what they're doing and go out and make it work. You know, it's hard enough when you get to that championship week after everything's over to say, gosh, we didn't win, and you're watching the champion get all the accolades. Yeah. When that's your teammate that does that, that's even more yeah. motivation to yeah. come out big. <laughs> He's only 35 years old. Yeah. 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 Brad, Brad's still hungry. Brad's got a lot more winning to do out. Yeah. Wait, and his teammates are young, too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. matters, too. I, yeah. That whole Penske organization – they, they have enough talent. They have enough talent from a driver's standpoint to move success well into the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penske looks sure. really, really strong right now, but also they look very strong yeah. into the future. For sure. Yeah. So, and I know you guys are going to be shocked about this, but there's a qualifying rule change that's come out today after, uh, after what we saw <laughs> in California. You believe that? There's no, a rule change. So, we're going to, the smart one of the group, Nate Ryan, is going to join us in a little bit. <laughs> and he's going to explain to us what the new qualifying procedure is going to be because he can do it way better than we can. You know, in general, 2020. I think we're looking at this week to uh, to announce some some cool things, and you know Steve Phelps has been um, you know really honest with with everyone in terms of you know our ability to to move races in 2020 with the agreements that we have. But I think you'll see some some great cooperation that's happened uh, with the tracks and our TV partners as we look ahead for 2020. So talk to some new schedule. It sounds like some yeah. schedule changes, and uh, we're going to bring in Nate Ryan from our remote location in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nate's going to straighten us out on all this. Yeah, Jeff. So since the Daytona 500, the word has been that NASCAR would have an announcement on the 2020 schedule by the end of March. We just heard Steve O'Donnell say this morning it will be this week. There's one report that says it could be as early as tomorrow. As far as what it will be, the 2020 is the last year of the five-year track sanction agreements, so the tracks are locked in. So it means we won't see any tracks lose a race. However, even though the races will remain the same, we've heard NASCAR President Steve Phelps say the order of the races could be different, and that includes possibly where the season starts and finishes. So there's a report today that the season finale, which has been at Homestead Miami Speedway since 2002, could move in 2020. And according to what we've heard from Steve Phelps, that scenario has been under consideration by NASCAR. But we will have to wait for NASCAR to make the official announcement. There's no word on the timing for that. But again, it seems it could be as early as tomorrow. Nate, after California and the qualifying, I guess we could call it a debacle, 
uh, NASCAR has decided to make uh, some tweaks to the qualifying procedures? They have, Rick. Uh, they sent out uh, an announcement this afternoon. There were many ideas bandied about after, as you called it, that, that debacle in Fontana where no cars made a lap in the final round of qualifying. So there's a lot of discussion about whether NASCAR would return to single-car qualifying at the big tracks that have drafting. Uh, what they ultimately landed on instead was to keep the current system but to add a harsh punishment. And that punishment is that if you don't, if you don't make a timed lap in any round, then all of your previously posted times will be disallowed and you will start at the rear. So if you would have been one of those 12 cars at Fontana that failed to make a lap a couple of weeks ago in the final round, your time would have been disallowed and those 12 cars would have started at the back behind all the cars that did post times in qualifying. So that's how group qualifying will work this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Well, Nate, thank you for straightening us out. I love when Nate comes on the show. He has all the facts. He has all the information. And now the qualifying thing is way more clear. The schedule sounds there's still some questions in the schedule. That should be exciting, too. I always like when Nate uses the big words. <laughs> use, I never knew he used small ones. All the ones he's <laughs> using are big words. Remember the show we did where we had big, big words with Nate? We did a practice show, big words. And I had to have a thesaurus with me. I thought I needed a job after that show. But <laughs> it, was, it was fun anyway. But So I know you're shocked, but two drivers – got mad at each other at Martinsville. They started yelling at each other on the radio, and they happened to be teammates. So when we come back, we're going to listen to a little bit of that. We're going to laugh at them and have fun <laughs> yes. at it because it's fun to listen to guys at Martinsville. So when you come back, we'll check out some possible trouble brewing between teammates. A couple of teammates were going at it, Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick. We're eating our fours after last two and a half laps. I said, I don't know about that. I mean, inside of me, just run into me on the left, my left there, Timmy. I know. I don't know. I can't say anything. I don't know what was up there. Turn his mouth about everything else. Yeah, it stinks. I, I thought we were going to have something good today. We didn't deserve a third place today. We were probably going to be about eighth to tenth. We're doing a lot of right things. We just got to you know, keep digging, keep building, and get more wins. That's uh, that's what this game's all about. Well, I mean, we needed to win this race today. I mean, ultimately, uh, this is. Uh, you know, our best shot to win and what we've had all year. I wish instead of running just in the top ten, I wish we were running in the top five. We weren't as good as we needed to be to win, but I thought we were very capable of running top five. Um, but we needed to be perfect, and we just weren't perfect today. Three good weekends in a row. Maybe one of these weekends we'll be able to win one of these things. The nine and some of those those guys were very good on the short run. Now we have to have some turn to win this race. Too slow on the short run. I can't get the front end to work. But I'm already loose in, so I'll take that forward for Brad let me know with one pit stop left that he needed to turn better to win this race. And I'm like, okay, so we got to come up with a plan here with, with one pit stop to go. Beating and banging now, Brad Kozlowski and Chase Elliott. Brad knows he's there for sure. Yeah, I was trying to get to his bumper uh, to, you know, to, to mess with him there and, and try to root him off the bottom. When you're in a position to do that, obviously you need to you need to capitalize. It's just not enough for the amount of time we have. Good by one, he's going to force it into three. He's clear. I had a run on Brad there. He got real tight in the middle of the corner and washed up the track, and I drove underneath him, and then he just chopped my nose off, and uh, my car wasn't the same after that point. Product of Martinsville, you know, you see a hole, you try to stick your nose in there in it, and he just kept coming down and knew that that, uh, that was his best block, I guess. Eric Alba rolling way up out of the group. He's going to lose at least a half dozen spots. And that was because Kyle Busch said hello. Right there at the beginning of the final stage, the 18, got my left rear quarter panel, and we lost about 12 spots. 
and we got about half of them back, and then we lost everything back on pit road. Strong showing we just didn't have short run speed in our car, and we had an amazing long run car after 50 laps or so, and I didn't want to see that last caution, to be honest with you. Traffic was the biggest thing. You, know, you really couldn't run behind someone in that wake. It was very hard to pass, obviously, with you know, especially once it strung out. We're a little bit off uh, rolling speed to the center of the corner and I couldn't quite get to the throttle like I needed to. You know, you had to figure out if you were gonna give up a little here to be a little bit more consistent throughout the run. That's kind of what we were fighting. We just were too loose. You know, everyone in store half racing past made me feel like home. A couple of teammates were going at it, Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick. We're eight and a half fours half up. Last two and a half laps. I said, I don't know why that upset you. I feel like in uh, in a new home, uh, and, and I'm very happy. 14, or, I mean, inside of me, just run into me on the left out left there, Timmy. I know, I don't know, I can't say anything, but I don't know what was up there. Run his mouth about everything else. And we take care of each other, we help each other. Trying to race like a man, no gap. The shoe's gonna be on the other foot here, we'll uh, go ahead and tell him. That's what I just said, we race how we get raced. You know, right there we show in the last 25 laps that uh, we race hard too. Eric Almarola had a run at Austin Dillon. Could not complete the pass, and here comes Daniel Suarez after him. That's part of it, and that's fun. It's so much fun listening to them. <laughs> you know, I mean, the passion, the energy, and, you know, Stuart Haas Racing, they're, they're all racing together yeah. at Martinsville. I don't think we should be surprised that they're going to be upset at each other. Yeah, when you got four of them in the top ten, yeah. I mean, and, and the way that you have to drive Martinsville, when the cars are so equal, sometimes the only way to make a pass is to move somebody or give them a little bit of a nudge, and then that's going to create some tempers along the way, which is what Martinsville was famous for. Yeah, and, and listen, this is Stuart Haas Racing. This is not the first time we've seen it with a team. When you put three or four cars in the top ten, when you put three or four cars in contention to win a race, whether it's Joe Gibbs, whether it's Roger Penske, it doesn't make any difference. All these guys say, listen, we're teammates back there. Once they get out there, they got to go at it and defend themselves and be on their own. I love that piece because I love the way Daniel Suarez was kind of talking about how big a family they were, and then we'd go to these two guys already. <laughs> and that, that, was a part, that was a great edit. Great edit. Uh, we hear the don't kill the messenger, but isn't that really what spotters are now? They're messengers. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. go down and tell this guy that I'm mad at him, and go down and tell this yeah. guy that I'm mad at him. And that happened a lot, I think. They're messengers until you get in an accident, and then they're a driver, because I always blame them. <laughs> my spotter's fault, man. He's the one that got me in it. <laughs> so, but, so, so those, to me, those are temporary things. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, drivers yeah. mad at each other, and, you know, by Tuesday, you're, you're over it. I mean, it's Martinsville, it's temper, and a lot of times... I found that on short tracks, you, if you don't blow that steam off, you get, you know, you kind of lose your cool. And, you know, I think I think fans say, oh, they, they, the drivers don't like each other. Their no. teammates they don't like each mm-hmm. other. But, you know, you're going to have that at short tracks. Drivers aren't. And you're going to have it at big tracks, too. The each, even though you're part of a team, you're there to serve you yeah. and your particular team. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, we just talked about how Brad Keselowski might have a little fire lit underneath him because of Joey Logano's championship last year. Mm-hmm. That's the advantage of having multi-car teams is you make each other better. And in doing that, sometimes you're going to make each other a little bit mad. Yeah, it, we talked about the schedule, how it may change. If they put Martinsville and Bristol back-to-back, then we might see <laughs> things be uh, oh, a little bit more uh, temper tantrums and, and things happening on the track. But 
as we have it now, we're going to Texas, a very fast racetrack, yeah. and you know there won't be anything there. But uh, you know, it, it's you know, it's difficult when you're a part of this uh, a, a big organization. You've got everybody running yeah. well, and everybody's so competitive because every single one of them, not only do they want to win, if they can't win, then they want to finish second or they want to get by you because yeah. that's what you do. Yeah. We continue to call it a team sport, but ultimately it's a driver against another driver yeah. on the racetrack. So it's individuals that are out there, even though you're a part of an organization, yeah. you're still out there competing against the guy next to you. I yeah. mean, that's that's what it really Unless boils down to. Talladega. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a horse's butt, but I'm gonna throw that out there. Dude. The team, the team, right? The team yeah. gets smaller on Sunday. <laughs> yes, yeah. it does. Right yes, on does. Monday, you got this really big oh, team. Yeah. It's like 400 people. Yeah. On Sunday, it's about 20. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and that's that's just how it works, and that's how we want it. I mean, yeah. we we we're fans, and we're mm-hmm. all fans. Oh, we yeah. want to see you know teammates going at each other and racing each other. That's what we expect to see as fans. Then yeah. you treat them with respect, but at the same yeah. time, you want to win the race. Uh, rather than your teammate winning. And, and in typical fashion, we're talking about Stuart Austin. We sent Dave Burns straight into the fire That's to get us, <laughs> get us a report about Stuart Haas Racing. Twice this season, Stuart Haas Racing has seen all four of its cars finish in the top ten. That is good consistency. Contributing to that, Stuart Haas Racing's newest two drivers, Almirola and Suarez. Daniel Suarez wants to win and believes he can, yet tenth twice this season is the best he's been able to do. I'm okay with that for this brand new driver team combination. Through six races, his average finish is pretty much on par with what he's done the last couple of years. He said he saw something in Martinsville this weekend out of his pit crew he hadn't seen recently, and he was very happy about that. And he noted that top 10 finishes are something that they can build on, which I think is okay for a team in its honeymoon phase. Building is not a word that Eric Almirola should be comfortable with, and I think we heard that in his voice following the Martinsville race. He started on the front row, but bouncing off of Bush and Truex late in the going didn't help his effort at all. This is year two for this group, and they got a lot of the construction kinks worked out last year. Now it's time to capitalize. The only top 10 that Eric Almirola wants to hear about is his number 10 at the top and in victory lane. So how about Eric Almirola? Where does he stand right now? Having a, he is hot right now, having a good year, but he's got to close a race. Sorry. I mean, his confidence level is sky high. You, you watch the pre-race interviews. You hear him during qualifying. It's sky high. If that got you to victory lane, Eric Almirola would be in victory lane every week. But somewhere, they don't keep up with the track. Something changes. They get shuffled. And they end up fighting for seventh or, or eighth instead of fighting for second, third, fourth, or a win. Um, but I, I do believe they have come a long, long way in a very short period of time. And Eric is very capable of winning any of these first four or five races that we've run so far. Yeah, I mean, we said last year that he had an opportunity to prove himself, and he did that. Now expectations have gone up. You know, he had a great season, uh, finished it off well, but what I've heard every single race here this year has been we had a second, third-place car but that's not what the finishes show. Yeah. They run really, really well, uh, but you've got to figure out a way whether that's communication between driver and crew chief. Uh, does Eric need to change something that he's doing uh, in these situations? But uh, uh, as you said, they've got to start closing more. That, that's how you give yourself opportunities to win is be there at the end. Can we compare him to Chase Elliott two years ago yeah. when we expected great things out of him? Maybe he's going to get that win. Yeah. He's always in the right position, but he's just not getting the finishes or the wins that we were expecting. Now – 
is that Eric Almoral right now, that we expect him to have better finishes, and we expect him to be challenging for wins. So the question is, do we expect him to outrun Harvick? Right. So, right. so yeah. I mean, so here's yeah, so, within the organization. So, so who? So, and I was one of the guys. I was one of Kevin Harvick's teammates. They couldn't run with him toward yeah. the end of my yeah. career. Kevin Harvick has been the guy that his teammates haven't been able to run with him. I think the gaps lessened this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. I mean, Kevin Harvick has not had the year he had last year. This time, he'd won three races. They're running well. Yes. They're just not running great. But I see that gap between. The ten car and the four car, I, 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 that's closed. I, I think that Amarola's running better in comparison to Kevin Harvick. And in comparison, if you want to go back to to Chase, did we expect Chase to run with Jimmy? No, we didn't expect Chase to run with Jimmy when he got there. Mm-hmm. But he surpassed Jimmy mm-hmm. over the last 12, 14 months on the racetrack uh, right now with the same piece of equipment. So when you ask about Eric, should Eric run with Harvick? Yes, and I agree that the gap has closed. But I think for Eric at this point in time in his career, with the opportunity he's been given, he's got to jump ahead of Harvick really quick to be able to grow within that team and go farther in that team uh, because we know those guys are willing to make changes to, to be competitive. What about Suarez? How do you feel about where his year has got going? Well, I think there's some improvement needs to be made there, especially on qualifying day. I think yeah. that's that they're putting themselves in a hole there, uh, and they seem to keep trying to make that up during the race, and so a lot of improvement there. I'll, I'll go back to the – the thing with Eric Amarola against Harvick a second, too, and say that he does the job. I think there's certain racetracks where he's equal or maybe a little bit better than Harvick at True. some places. But on the other side of this, too, that makes it more difficult for Eric Amarola. He doesn't get the respect from the yeah. other drivers on the racetrack that Harvick gets and commands because of what he's that, been able that's to accomplish. A great point. I think that makes his that job much harder. Point. That does, is a great point. Does Clint Boyer, is he going to start to drift into the shadows now? Because, I mean, we're talking about Suarez. We're talking about Eric Almirola. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Harvick. Clint Boyer's part of this team actually ran very well yeah. if it wouldn't have been for some issues uh, at Martinsville. I, I think Clint's run well. I, yeah. They just they they've got to quit making mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two speed and penalties. Two speed and penalties. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that you can't have yeah. two speed and penalties. Uh, you look at where they are in point. They they rallied, came back and yeah. finished seventh, having two speed penalties. And the second speed penalty, as late as it was, yeah. to come back and finish seventh, it is a great sign. But they, this could have been a con- they could have possibly been contending for a win. For a win, and, that's uh, right. The, these are must. They gotta clean this stuff up. When, when we go back to that earlier footage of, of he and Harvick going at it. They're contending. They're yes. contending for a top five, a top six at that point in time. Two speeding pills. The one thing that Clint Boyer continues to do, we, meaning the press, I want him to win because his sound bites <laughs> and what he says and the way he plays is fantastic. You know? So you want him to be that guy. At the same time, Clint works best, it appears to me, when you get him in a hole, when you get him a speeding penalty, when something happens and he's got to focus and fight his way back to the front, he focuses He's single-minded. He finds his way back to the front. It's when you get him up there in second or third and he starts singing to you during the, during the commercials <laughs> and, and during cautions that there seems to be a little issue right there. Yeah. So I, I think he's got to focus on where he's at. Uh, but, God, man, he's, an, he's one of those talents we keep waiting yeah. to just bust yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. So you're our baseball guy. You know more about baseball than us. Uh, for sure. Correct. For sure. Correct. So funny thing happened this weekend. For some reason... Uh, there are a lot of Yankee fans celebrating yeah. after an IndyCar race. We'll figure out what that's all about when we come back. Exactly. You're going to have to explain it the to Yankees, us. yeah. <laughs> In-
IndyCar's maiden trip to Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas was certainly a memorable one. The event title was the IndyCar Classic, and it certainly turned out to be that way, especially for 18-year-old Colton Herter. He started on the second row from fourth. That wasn't the story. The story was all about when he executed his final pit stop in the 60-lap race. It was key, Townsend. Yeah, and when Colton Herta came in, that left leaders Will Power and Alexander Rossi exposed because of this yellow right here. Rosenquist and Hinchcliffe get together at the entrance to pit lane. Pits are closed. Yellow's out, and that meant Colton Herta was out in front, and these two guys had to pit under yellow, Paul, and go to the back. And if the yellow didn't hurt enough... Powers car broke down in the pit box, and then the lead was all Colton Herta's. It was his for the last 15 laps of the race, creating history along the way to that checkered flag. His dad, Brian, who was looking after and running Marco Andretti, saw his 18-year-old son become the youngest ever to win an NTT IndyCar Series race. Yes, celebrations all round, not only in the Harding-Steinbrenner camp, but especially from his peers, from the other 23 competitors who were all rushed to Colton Herter to congratulate him. They weren't lost on the history that was created in Austin, Texas for Colton Herter. A really memorable day and kind of one of those feel-good factors, right? I think all the way around, everybody was thrilled. And I think what was special about this win for Colton is he earned it on pace, on Mm -hmm. performance. There was a little bit of luck there, but he was top three all day and strong at St. Petersburg on a totally different type of track. And for me personally... Ten years ago, Colton Herta was an eight-year-old looking for my autograph. Look at this. Found this on my phone. He's got the mohawk. <laughs> and it's hard for me to sit here and imagine. That seemed like just yesterday. And here he is in victory lane at a very tough racetrack. Think about everything that you've accomplished in the sport and everything you've seen. Put this in perspective for us. How important? I mean, we've got the history note about him being the youngest ever. But what does it mean to you? Well, it's huge. I think it's huge for American kids wanting to come up. And where do I go in racing? And here's a kid that came through the whole system. And now, at 18 years old, he's an IndyCar winner. So that shows the system works, right? And we've got this crop of rookies. The series is so bright right now. Exactly. And think about the team is called Harding Steinbrenner. Yes, Steinbrenner of the New York Yankees. It's a young team. Harding had been around for about a season and a half, but George Steinbrenner IV said to his family, I want to get involved in racing. I've got a real passion for that. Maybe not so much on the baseball side. I want to go motor racing, and they've formed this very new young team, and this is huge for them. It's huge, and it's great momentum for IndyCar because of the new ownership that has entered the sport, like Steinbrenner, like Hunkos, you know, like a lot of other teams, Carlin that's come in yeah. here. IndyCar on the rise, and it's great to see a young American winner so early in his career. And to Paul's point, there was another rookie in the top 10, two rookies in the top 10. It's looking good for the 2019 NTT IndyCar season. A lot to talk about, a very different-looking podium. And we'll see you from Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama in just over a week's time. Oh, what a great story there. And IndyCar has to be ecstatic with having a young 18-year-old winner. And, of course, talking about the New York Yankees, I got elected to this because growing up a, a Yankees fan, still that somewhat an Orioles fan with my son playing there. But uh, with the Yankees and, and their history, uh, their 27 world championships, the Major League Baseball season starting this week, uh, you can see the the uh, tweet that came out here. Colton, youngest driver ever to win IndyCar. And uh, George Steinbrenner, who is uh, the grandson of George Steinbrenner, that uh, made so much history with the Yankees, so uh, what an incredible day, and the way they did it, ran well and then took advantage. Stanley Cup's back with the Yankees. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> so, I know this, with your son, what he's doing, 
You're going to be a huge Oriole yes. fan. You're going to push the Yankees yes. to the side. Yes. Well, they, they, they're going to have to start adding some zeros to him. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that's you coming. You don't do it. You lose it, Dale Jarrett. Yes. I'm telling you, you better take care of his son. So when we come back, we're going to make you pick who's better, Penske or Gibbs. We're all going to have to Ooh, pick to figure right. out Goodness. who is the best in Cup right now. day for Brad Keselowski at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Brad, two stage wins and then the victory. I mean, did you ever doubt it? It was a good day. It was a real good day. Uh, you know, Dave, we uh, didn't quite have the speed we wanted to just drive away from the nine car in the short runs. The nine car was just dominant, but uh, our restraw type Ford Mustang was really good on those long runs. We had a really great day on pit road with the pit crew. Uh, we just connected everything together and, and that was what we needed to have a dominant day. How hard is it to stay patient when you get passed outright by a car like Chase's? Yeah, I mean, I, there was a good chance the race was over. And quite honestly, if Chase would have passed me again at the end, I don't think I would ever passed him back. He was just so, so strong through the center of the corner. And uh, I was just able to find a, you know, a technique to, to hold him back uh, for just long enough. You mentioned the pit crew. They got you off of pit road first late in the race. What was the feeling at that point? Really good. That's what we needed. We needed strong efforts like this on pit road. But that kind of effort uh, was instrumental in us winning the race today. Strong effort for the start of the season. Now, second win, Brad. Where does this team stand? And we're in a good spot. Uh, we're in a good spot, but we can't rest on our laurels. Uh, I don't think we'll really see uh, kind of the, the settle-out point to who's got what kind of speed for another few weeks yet. So uh, we need to enjoy this victory, but keep working. Second grandfather clock behind us. Uh, spot for it there in the house, or uh, where's the and I, we've been talking about this. In fact, I told her before this week, you know, I've already got one grandfather clock, and it's in my house, and uh, I love it to death, and she helps me wind it. And uh, I told her, you know, if Daddy wins this weekend, we'll get another grandfather clock. And, and so we talked about places to put it, and uh, she vetoed in her bedroom. So we're going to have to find <laughs> another spot, but uh, these are great problems to have, Dave. I was going to ask if, if her bedroom was the first choice. No for her? No, she was a, she was a salad no, but... Uh, don't worry, we'll find a great spot. All right, the Keslowski House, again with a grandfather clock. Brad, victorious in dominating fashion most of the day here at Martinsville. Winning problems, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So Brad uh, joined Kyle Busch as the only drivers to win two races this year. And on top of that, only two organizations have won races this year, Team Penske and Joe Gibbs Racing. So Kyle Petty, who's the team to beat? Uh, you know, I say the Penske guys are. Um, the way the season started. And when I say the Penske guys, I mean Brad, I mean Joey, and I mean Ryan Blaney. Those three guys have shown they can run up front, they can lead races, and they can win races. When I talk about Joe Gibbs, I, sorry, and this is not a knock on Denny Hamlin, but I talk about Kyle Busch. He, he's the one guy there that's making that organization look good. The Penske organization as a whole seems to have hit on this package and put their stuff to, and their stuff's working on the racetrack. Yeah, they're hard. It'd be hard to argue with that. Their pit crew's doing a great job. Uh, Doug Yates uh, is giving them great engines each and every week for those Fords. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take Kyle Busch, who, uh, whatever organization he's with, and that's the organization I'm going with. Uh, like this that. man is uh, like driving somebody. I mean, he gets it done. He did not have anywhere close 
to a third-place car yesterday, and, and he put it up there and challenged for the, the lead late in the race and, and managed to finish third. His off days are third-place finishes, yeah. and, you know, he's taking everybody's best shot out there. And uh, I, I just – so I'm not, I'm not putting Gibbs ahead of him as an organization, but I'm putting Kyle Busch ahead of everybody. My biggest mistake yesterday during fantasy is right before the third segment, third and final segment started, I put Kyle Busch into the garage. Are you kidding me? I put him in the garage. Nobody puts Kyle Busch Nobody in the garage. Nobody puts Kyle Busch in the garage. <laughs> and I made that huge mistake there. I, I really. I, and you made it on TV. That's what I love. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some things are best kept in, inside voice. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to. That's true. That's true. Great point about, I mean, Joe Gibbs Racing yeah. and Kyle Busch. He is right now Joe Gibbs Racing. And I, I really think as an organization, though, Penske is the team. They are the the most diversified, the best overall team uh, that we've seen in the first six races of the year. So I think they are the team to beat. Everybody's trying to stay with yeah. them uh, as they continue on throughout the season. But, but you know, Jeff, and, and we've, we've lived it, anytime there's a major rule change or a big rule change, there's always yeah. one organization right. yeah. that just comes out when we get to Daytona, and Penske seems to be that this year so far. I, I think that I, I number, they don't they're not going to give the championship trophy until November. Yes. And so when I look at Joe Gibbs racing, I think that uh, I think that there was a much more difficult transition for Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. than people realize. You know, they had Gibbs cars. They had Gibbs engineering support. They had all those things going on, but they were still doing things their own way. And when you go and you join a team, no matter how great that team is, there's a transition. And that's what we're watching mm -hmm. take place. We're watching, in my opinion, Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern figure out how they work within the Gibbs yeah. system versus their own system. And they had some personnel changes as well throughout that process. So I think there's a good chance you're going to see Cole and Martin improve as the year goes on. And that's going to help Joe Gibbs racing in, in regard to comparing themselves with Penske. But right now, if you look at which team can would you be surprised that all three of their or four of their drivers have won races? Yeah. I'd have to go with Penske. I think they're the closest to every one of their teams winning. To your point, the rules change. Uh, I know that Brad was the most vocal, I think, in June of last year about he didn't think that this was the right direction for the sport. And so I actually reached out to Brad today, earlier, and I said, you know, is your opinion different now about this six races in? And he said, I will say this. On my own, when you're running alone on the racetrack, it's easier. But he said, in traffic, yeah. it is way harder to drive these cars. So his tune has changed a little yeah. bit as to you know, what it's like to race out there now than it was a year ago. Who would have thought when Martinsville was over, we heard guys talk about the wake from these cars. Yeah. Right, dirty right, air. Right, right. Never heard that at Martinsville. Yeah. Never saw cars run up there with no fenders and no hood and still run second and third. Never heard that before. The other thing, back to, back to Gibbs, I just thought about is, you know, Eric Jones, um, I think I think if there were all of these four coffee cups were sitting here, he'd pick up the one with a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, he can't Luck of the draw. catch a break. Can't yeah. catch a break. And, and, and there's going to be a time where that turns. It always does. It, it, you know, it piles up on you, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, you catch the cautions. You yeah. get the yeah. right line. Yeah. All that happens. And I think with Eric Jones, like we have not seen what Eric Jones can no. do. And yeah. it's not all because of the speed they have. Some of it is circumstantial. And I, I – I just keep waiting for that team to jump out. And then, you know, Denny Hamlin, he's definitely running yeah. better than he did last sure, year. So yeah, absolutely. There, there is for some sure. room, I think, for Gibbs to, to grow yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so there's no truth that the 19 hauler coming from California 
veered through Denver, Colorado area or anything, may have stopped <laughs> off at that shop for a long time. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you like starting the pot, don't no, you? I, no. Oh, you I like things. that. Yeah. Yeah, I, like that. I think mine's got a hole in it. <laughs> so we, one, of our, one of the things we love to do on our shows, and we'll do it when we come back, is we love doing shout-outs. And uh, we have an awesome shout-out that includes <laughs> one of the drivers from Joe Gibbs Racing, Christopher yeah. Bell, with a cool video on top of it. Yeah, I knew when we qualified third that we were going to be really tough to beat. And then I saw this morning that you picked me to win the race and the tweet up. And I, I walked out on the grid like this. And then I just saw that Nate Ryan picked me to win. You two are smart. Fox and NBC leading the charge over here. Nate Ryan, we told you he was smart, didn't we? Well, you know, Nate Ryan earned the most fantasy points at Martinsville among all the NBC broadcasters. Hmm. But... You know, something I noticed on this board is Rick Allen has slid further wah, to the middle. Wah, he was, goodness, he was where you are now hmm. in first, and now how that Rick happened. Allen has slid. I don't think it. I don't think it was brought up for the three weeks that I was leading that I was leading. But it now was, when it I was fall just to like third. three or four yeah. seconds that we left it up there, and then it was gone. So. <laughs> well, okay, if we're going to shout out to different people, <laughs> I want I want to transition right into shouting out. For Christopher Bell. Uh, Christopher Bell, what an amazing racer he is, and he's incredible on dirt as well. Take a look at this finish. He's running second. Can he get the win? He climbed over the top of the other car, but he still finished second. I like the announcer. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. What do you wow. think Christopher Bell was thinking right now? Yeah. Oh, I wonder I what he's second. thinking when he got the shout-out from Coach Gibbs. Yeah. When he made that phone call. About, is this what you need to be doing your off weekends? Yeah. Really, Coach, <laughs> perfectly safe. Yeah, it's I all good. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. What, what yeah, was great good. about that video, too, is, is – uh, the, the the guy that won, if you notice, he hit the tire. Yeah, like he hit the, the left. Side. Yeah, 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 he was digging. Yeah. My shout-out's going to – we're going back to the IndyCar race. We talked about young man, Colton Herter, that won the race. So – the spoils of victory, drinking the champagne. Uh oh! Didn't you say I young man? I think we Welcome to Texas. <laughs> Welcome to Texas. Oh well. Supposed to be something else in there. Oh, we all love Texas. Okay, I'm, my I love Costa Rica. I love motorcycle racing. So this is my shout out for these guys right here. You see them coming down through here, and just for the record. This happened on the off weekend with Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick, two teammates right here. This is how teammates get along. Bam! Oh, yeah. Got it. Oh. Down he goes. Then we just walk off. What a great shot. Now. Oh, wait a minute. Look at the footwork. Look at the, the footwork. Bad, yeah, the bad part is, according to NASCAR's new qualifying rules, these guys have to start at the back of the pack next week. Okay? So I just want to, These guys were suspended for two years. Two years. Oh. What the hey? Two what, years? Two years. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But we'll see Kevin and, and Clint next week. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, what's going to be almost as exciting as that is Rusty Wallace is joining Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. download. Oh. And you know Rusty. He's always going to have something to say. 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. Check it out. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.